Listener Production. and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Welcome to Brooke and Linda's Dream Club, where each week we search under the couch cushions and find the stories and culture you've been looking for. And this week... We are explaining the new hot internet term, cheeky. (laughs) We're going to discuss older women's representation in film. And we're chatting to Australia's very own Eurovision representative, the star Montaigne. We also had a lot of book recommendations come through because I was talking about how I'm making the solemn promise... Well, it's not solemn. It's actually a very fun promise to to sit in bed and read every night because I cannot just be looking at my screen. I cannot just be strolling. I mean, scrolling and trolling on my phone. (laughs) So um, we're going to start a little book club list for our socials. Um, So send through any recommendations that you've got for us, namely Linda. Um, (laughs) And uh, I'll post a photo of what she looks like when she reads. It's a real thrill. It's a real thrill. I've got some good reading eyes on. (laughs) Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Brooke and Linda's Dream Club. All right. So first up, Brooke, you're sitting here with your beautiful side part. I, as you know, an avid lover of lasagna. Mm. And to some people, that would mean that we're a little bit chuggy. Yeah. So this chuggy term that we've just found this week because a bunch of young people have decided to have a go at the next generation <laughs> on TikTok and really just drag us through the mud for the things that are tried and tested and the mm-hmm. things that we love. You are probably thinking much the same as us, like, what the heck is Chuggy? Um, So when we saw it, we had to go and look it up. And this is what it said on the New York Times. Someone who is out of touch or trying too hard. It's not quite basic, but someone that is chasing a little bit behind the trends. It's things like if you've got a mug that says hashtag girl boss. Oh, if you walk past a coffee store and you think, I want to get a coffee from there because there's a sign out the front that says, but But first, first, coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like to say, though, before we, you know, have too much of a go at ourselves, everyone has a little bit of chuggy in them, firstly. But secondly, this whole dream club is built on a dig at someone being chuggy. Because remember, I it saw is. the poster, Dream Big, above my friend's bed. Yeah. And then I came to work and told Linda and we laughed about we it. We laughed about it so hard because this person that Brooke was living with had a massive poster above his bed that said Dream Big. And now we finally have a word to call these things. They are chuggy. So there's a whole bunch of things that fit into it. You have sent some through, which have been incredible. Mm. Incredible descriptions of what is chuggy. Copper geometric plant holder, faux marble plant (laughs) pot, roses, owls. Kate, I want to say a special shout out to you. You say uh, chunky foils in your hair. (laughs) No, they're coming back. Oh, they they are back. The stripy stripy ones. This is is the thing about chuggy, and we're going to list some things that are chuggy so that you can understand what chuggy is, but sometimes chuggy goes so far past the point of irony that it becomes chic again. That's what I do want to put out there. So rose gold, chuggy. Sockets that are visible or, or even secret socks the, are chuggy. The little ones that you, the shoes are trying to hide because you want to look cool like you're not wearing any socks. <laughs> you're not trying well, hard, but what? you're trying hard. You're trying too hard because you're chuggy. 
Brooke and I have been texting each other over the last 24 hours uh, an incredible amount of chuggy things. Brooke, well, you were texting me late last night with some absolute gold, some absolute rose gold. So this one for me really sums it up. Weddings. Weddings, chuggy. Weddings are chuggy. Engagement parties, chuggy. What else is slightly like basic? Gender reveals. Gender reveals. Chuggy. Gender's a construct oh, anyway. Get oh, with the time. I've got I've got another one along the lines of food because lasagna is chuggy and I love lasagna. Um eggs benedict. If you order <gasps> eggs benedict at a Linda. at a brunch, chuggy. Watching or reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Did you, did you ever yeah, read it? No. <laughs> You read it, didn't you? You you, Brooke read it with a side part. Do you know what, though? Like, when I was reading some of them, it sort of stung a little bit. I know, because we've all got a bit of chuggy in it. I know, but, like, you sort of think you're cooler than that or, like, you're beyond it. And then when I read them, I was like, am I lame? And no one has told me. (laughs) It's Um, all right. But really, I'm... I'm chuggy. I just love that we've got a term to discuss these things. Like if you, if I'm sitting at home watching Gilmore Girls, I'm chuggy. You're chugging big time. I'm chugging big time. I'm chugging that chug life. Yeah, you know who you are. That guy from Star Wars, Chugbacker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you a little chug champion just like us? Because I need. <laughs> just, I know, isn't it? So just. <laughs> if you are, can you please send us like a chug? picture of you on our at the dream club podcast instagram Please share it on your stories better. yeah i need to see it we'll share some of ours i'll share a picture of me with like <laughs> some i feel like you're sauce. the least chuggy person that i know and that's I, why it makes me feel so insecure because i'm like <laughs> why didn't linda tell me i'm lame <laughs> like, i feel like you owe it to me we're friends i have some chug like i think my i think i've <laughs> got some chug tonight listen she's like just quickly moved past like yeah you're a chug <laughs> it's chug because we girl. all have some chug in us I'm a chuggy. Some more than others. So I was thinking last week after my chat with a huge movie star who you may or may not have heard of, Angelina Jolie. God, you're so <laughs> smug. Brooke like, is so smug about like her cool For even dropping friends. that name. But I've interviewed her a couple of times and last week I had to interview her right smack bang in the middle of this podcast. Here's how it went down. Hi, Angelina and Finn. How are you? I am well, thank you. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the Today Show. I loved the movie. So I am really impressed, though, that she has always managed to find these roles where she gets to be more than one thing at once. She's obviously a very beautiful woman. She's like very visually striking. But she also takes on these characters that are quite complex. Think back to Girl Interrupted. Even Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where she was sexy but tough, like going around killing uh, bad guys with the guy who would end up being her husband. Other sexy person, Brad Pitt. (laughs) Never heard of him. (laughs) Um, But it did make me think that there are very few roles for older women or women over the age of 35, that is, in Hollywood, that don't pigeonhole them as something that's really simple and and not complex. And I think it's because these roles have been written about us, women, that is, by men. And I'm sick of it. No, no, no. (laughs) Not for you. (laughs) Not for me. Not for you. You know what? Surprisingly, not for me either. (laughs) I thought you would be into that. No, I'm not into it. What can I say? I love a silver fox of all genders. And, you know, that's the the ageism of society, of course, reflected in Hollywood, the idea that 
men grow older with power and grace and wisdom. And sexiness. And sexiness, which does not translate to the way that women are perceived. And it's something that actors in the past have spoken about, like Nicole Kidman when she won the SAG Award for Big Little Lies. How wonderful it is that our careers today can go beyond 40 years old. Because... (laughs) 20 years ago... We were pretty washed up by this stage in our lives. So that's not the case now. We've proven, and these actresses and so many more are proving, that we are potent and powerful and viable. When Kate Blanchett won the Academy Award for her role in Blue Jasmine, where she said, you know, we need to stop thinking that films about women and women of a certain age are niche. They are not niche. People want to see them, and in fact they actually make money. So we need to keep telling these stories. Loved seeing Frances McDormand at the age of 63 win the Academy this year for Best Actress, but that is Mm. one point in a stage of many. And the Gina Davis Institute of Gender and Media had this incredible study that happened over the last year that revealed that women aged 40 plus receive only 25% of all speaking or named roles in Hollywood. That is wild. And when you, it? when you think about it, right, there's only like a handful of women over the age of 40 who actually get roles, like Meryl Streep, yeah. um, I guess Nicole Kidman, Kate Blanchett. But where are the people who we used to see a lot of? People even like Molly Ringwald, who was huge. She was in all of those Hughes movies in the 80s and mm. early 90s or uh, even Catherine Heigl now or, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal even. I mean, this is... Will you turn your phone off? No. You know what? Show some respect. Show some respect. That was Maggie Gyllenhaal saying, hey, can you remember that when I was 35, I was told that I was over the hill? Mm -hmm. And when she was 37, she famously told a journalist that she was too old to play the love interest of a very famous actor who was meant to be starring opposite her in a film who was aged 55. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, do you know what? I actually spoke to... That's what she texted me just now. I I spoke to um, her brother, Jake, this morning, and he didn't mention it, so I actually... I feel like that's a bit rude of him. Oh, come on, Jake. (laughs) Pull your head in. Grow up. Pull your head in. (laughs) And it ties into the way that we see ourselves ageing. Like, I see it amongst even my friends now that are in our 30s. I've spoken about it with friends that are in the media that are in their 40s. I even see it now with my mum in her 60s, this idea that women far more than men have the expiration date and that our own reflection of needing to be anti-aging, of needing to look young, of needing to look beautiful, and once we are past that point, we Mm -hmm. don't have much to offer, having that reflected time and time again in the media is so disappointing because it means that we don't have someone as often to look to that looks cool and and embraces that aging gracefully. Do you know, I think that it's a really, really important part of the development process Mm. of these sorts of films is, you know, that you have this group of people writing for a group of people that they're not a part of or that, you know, they, they don't know intimately. And so you've got men writing about the experience of women or um, uh, white people writing about the experience of people with colour. And so the the depth that they bring to that sort of writing can sometimes be really shallow and then that is the way that we think of ourselves. And sometimes, like, you know, you perpetuate the cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the whole um, manic pixie dream girl thing that people really, really embrace, especially when we were younger. Yeah. You know, that that was it's the sort of character that would be written for women 
And then women thought that that's what men wanted and would sort of behave like that. Yeah. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I agree. Because you're sorry. Because I was thinking of because I was thinking I was thinking of every film and how that is reflected in the way that we thought of ourselves growing up, and then past that point, what is there? Because Mm. as the years roll along, like men get power and women get less power. I'm a manic pixie dream woman now. I'm (laughs) a manic manic pixie dream man. Linda Mariano, bringing you the Dream Club. And Eurovision is on this week. The semi-finals happened this morning. The grand final is happening this coming Sunday. So exciting. So it's being broadcast on SBS. Last year it was cancelled because of COVID. And so the wonderful Montaigne is representing Australia. As you said, she sang this morning. Montaigne, how do you feel? It's the week of Eurovision. I feel good. I'm a little bit tired, but otherwise I'm feeling the good vibes. But, you know, this is an incredible amount of pressure because it is one of the most watched television shows, performances that anyone could ever do in their entire career. Not to put any more pressure on you, but I'm sure this is something you've thought about. How many people watch it and how do you sort of process that? Uh, it has an, a it has a viewership of approximately 180 million people. And oh, so about the same as the Today Show then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, I... I don't know. I'm fine with it now. I don't know. For my whole career, I've been pretty good at like depersonalizing things that are said to me because you know people don't know me and also usually if someone's saying a rude thing it's because they're projecting or because they you know hurt people hurt people etc um mm. and I'm fine with that like I'm not fine with that existing in the world mm. but if I'm to cop it then I'm able to like distance myself from it so you know I feel much more ready to be in that resilient headspace again um yeah so it's it's fine it'll be fine and being embraced by that community and even your parents I imagine because you grew up watching Eurovision with them every year and from such amazing varied backgrounds how are they in this week for you? They're great. They're very enthused. My mom loves absolutely everything I do. So she'll be screaming all the way home. Mm -hmm. And um, this morning they, you know, came to my performance and they've always just been really supportive and really believe in me. I mean, of course, every notch higher that I achieve or whatever, they're like, wow. But honestly, I think I could do almost anything my parents would back it. So I'm very lucky. What I love so much about your Eurovision song, Technicolor, is that it showcases the best of Montaigne. It does. Like every it line, every does. lyric, every kind of vocal the up vocal and down that happens. And there's just so many wonderful moments in this. When you sing a song like Technicolor, is there a certain point in it that is your favourite moment to nail? Because I've got my favourite moments in it, but I want to know what your favourite moments are. Yeah, the um, I think the most satisfying thing is the glide. Um, what is it called? The melisma, like which is like the 
like those notes. The everything is frustrating bit. Yeah, exactly. I think I even sung that too high. But that everything is frustrating bit, all of those. That like when my voice is feeling healthy and I feel Mm. equipped to do that, it just feels so nice to do. It's very natural. And um, I also really enjoy, this is like really detailed, insignificant to anyone else, like singing nerd fixation, but like the the part in the like bridge which goes shine and like this kind of the like those steps down Mm. when I sing them I kind of my uh whole neck and jaw kind of like have to accommodate like the movement of those notes and when it is again like feeling solid and clear and each step is like very defined it feels very nice to do um very satisfying so that's kind of my two favorite things I guess what's yours I love the fact that you sing a line like everything is frustrating which is so like worrisome and meaningful but yet you bring such light and joy to it in your delivery and then Mm. of course like I've got to do like the hey like the bits because Mm. they're the only bits that I can sing along to so of course I'm gonna love the laser lines (laughs) you know yeah this is the thing about the song is that it is incredibly catchy but it's absolutely unsingable for the lay person so it's not a particularly it's like pop music that uh, barely can be defined as pop music just because I feel like pop music is made to be really sing-alongable. But it's a perfect Eurovision song, though, mm. I think. You know, yeah. when, when you listen to it and you, you see the performance, which we did this morning, you're like, this is perfect yeah so it's been (laughs) so it's been so great chatting to you it's a song that stretches the boundaries of who you are as an artist and you've absolutely nailed it so it's an honor to speak to you and have you representing australia at eurovision this year montaigne oh thank you guys thanks for chatting to me so you can watch the rest of eurovision as it unfolds this week including the massive grand final this sunday in rotterdam Gosh. Which is in the Netherlands, not in Germany, for your information. Thank you. If you were wondering. Ma'am geography. It's mm, what I do. Gosh, she is a dream girl, that Montaigne, and I think it is time for us to dream. Dream club. If you want to, you're allowed to have snacks for dinner. Who cares? No one's supposing you. I think asparagus is cheeky, but I still love it. You can too. Every now and then when I'm walking past a baby, What happens? Normally the parent just looks at me very weirdly. I always keep snacks in my bedside table so I don't have to get up at night if I'm watching a movie on my laptop. You should do it too. A block of chocolate normally does the trick. That's how you ended up eating my chocolate. I hate your chocolate. <laughs> 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 So, Linda, what I've figured out is that it is almost impossible to dream if you don't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Tell me more, Mr. Mathematician. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. I'm the snooze mathematician. Mm -hmm. No, I just, I had trouble sleeping last night. I only got, and this is wild. This is so wild. I can't believe that I'm still awake. I only got about two hours of sleep because I went to sleep at midnight and I woke up at two. Normally what I do right before I go to sleep is I think of all of the people who I admire. Um, You would be one of them. Tate would be one of them, our beautiful producer. My mum might be one of them. And you think about how you're going to take us down? I think about how I'm going to destroy your life. 
Sorry, interrupting you, Dream. No, no, no. No, no, no. I think about the um, most wonderful qualities about those people in like, it's sort of like, I guess, a form of prayer and it's a really lovely way to fall asleep. And normally it works a treat. Do you know what I did last night? Like an idiot. What? I thought of my, like people who have like done mean things or people who don't like oh, me. Oh, no. Sleep. You did an anti-prayer. I did an anti-prayer. And so I just, I, honestly, I was trying to get it out of my head and I could not sleep. So my recommendation is don't think of people who don't like you right before you go to sleep. Think of your heroes. Think of your heroes. Think of the people who you admire. That normally works a treat. Can I tell you something really funny that I just remembered when you said that? When I was in, I think, kindergarten or you one. I, if I couldn't sleep, sometimes I would go and talk to my older brother who was three years older than me, my brother Sam. And I remember saying to him, I can't sleep tonight. What can I do? And I remember him turning to me dead serious saying, my friend at school told me if you ever can't sleep, just close your eyes and think of big boobs. (laughs) (laughs) And he would have been maybe like... Like some boy had told him at school and he told me and because I didn't know about, you know, sexualization of boobs, I remember going to bed and closing my eyes and thinking about big boobs and it didn't work. Maybe maybe I can try that tonight. I remember sitting in my bed and closing my eyes and all I knew was like a Hollywood actress. I was like, oh, it's going to be Oh, what a wonderful technique. <laughs> I can't wait to try it tonight. Oh, God. Oh, God. I really got that. I've never said I don't think I've told anyone that. What? What's your dream club update? Oh. Well, after that beautiful dream club update from you, Brooke, I have a dream club update that I believe is inspired by Montaigne and watching her Technicolor video over and over again. I'm going to go to a dance class this week. Oh, that sounds so lovely. Because so you're ditching me in my running I'm for I'm ditching a you in your running. Class. Montaigne dropped just before our interview that she was going to go for a run straight after and I thought, no, 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 not for me. I don't think I'm ready to take up running again. I think I need to go to a dance class. I think that's probably a good idea because I think I've hurt my hip. Because we've lost dancing and a little recommendation. If you haven't listened to it already, listen to the Fred Again album because there's a song on there that he does with the Black Madonna and it's this dance song and it's called Maria, We've Lost Dancing and it's about how we haven't had to dance enough in the last year. So do a We Love Dancing dance break. We need a little joy zone Mm. where we can just listen to music and dance wherever we want. Joy zone. And, hey, with that, thank you very much for listening. We're going to be back next Wednesday. But until then... Join our Dream Club and follow us or else at the Dream Club podcast on Instagram. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and leave us the cheekiest review you can possibly think of. This is going to be a competition, okay? The cheekiest review wins a bowl of lasagna from Linda because she's the Chug Queen. <laughs> I'm a Chug Queen. And tag us in a pic, of course, you little Chug. Show me where you're listening from and go tell a sweet friend. Eat, pray, love. Love you. Let's drink. Hold up. Wait a minute. Linda, this is how I read. <laughs> don't sabotage Don't me. sabotage us. Let me open Don't. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Let's go, girls. Listener.